This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 171 for July 2022, with Ryan Habana on the Historic and Future Temple. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 171 for July 2022. This episode is available in video format. You can find it at Locals, Rumble, and YouTube. The Rumble version is embedded in the webpage, where you'll also find show notes for this episode, which is at echozoe.com slash 171. Along with the embedded video, you'll find an outline of the discussion, a list of the various scripture passages referenced in the course of our discussion, additional resources, and related episodes. And on top of all that... There's a short after show that we recorded that is video only and is also embedded in the show notes page. Look for us on social media. You can find Echo Zoe on Twitter, Truth, Social, uh, Gab, Parler, Getter, Telegram. And you can also find an up-to-date list of all these various social media websites at echozoe.com slash linktree. So if you're on social media, check out that echozoe.linktree and you'll see where you can follow, link, subscribe, and uh, stay connected to Echo Zoe. Please also consider joining our Locals page at echozoe.locals.com. We're a much more cancel-resistant over there than we are on the big-name, big-tech sites. We have a small but growing community, and we'd love for you to become part of it. You can find all of the content that we put out, uh, both paid and free. It's also an easy way to support Echo Zoe Ministry for as little as $2 a month. Don't forget to watch the film Jerusalem's King while you're there. It's pinned near the top of the page, making it easy to find. It is on the paid side, but we do consistently put out a promo code so that you can watch that movie for free. And this month's guest, Ryan Habana, is the producer of the film, and I'm still quite proud of being a part of making it. A quick announcement about future episodes is in order. This is highly unusual, but I have the rest of 2022 tentatively planned out and even into 2023. In addition to revisiting English Reformation history with Gene Clyatt in November, and then the annual roundtable that we do every year in December with Andrew Rappaport and Fred Butler, I've also got August, September, and October tentatively scheduled, and even potentially January as well. I don't want yet to announce what those episodes are, who the guests are, what the topics are, but I do want to let you know that August and September will both be recorded on the same day in early August, which means that the August episode will be a little bit late, uh, probably be about the second week of August before that'll be ready and posted. But the September episode will be ready to go on September 1st, and I may even post it a little bit early. Uh, it could be the September episode posted in late August. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Then for the rest of the year, episodes should go up, you know, hopefully the first week of each month, if not the first day of the month. Finally, I want to recommend, uh, recommend, I want to remind everyone about the Christian podcast community. There are tons of 
excellent podcast there. You know, Echozoe Ministries is uh, just one of them, and there are a lot more and a lot better podcasts uh, at the Christian Podcast Community. You can find them all at christianpodcastcommunity.org. And I do recommend subscribe in your favorite podcast app to the general feed and just listen to whatever happens to pop up. Uh, it's a great way to listen to some great Christian podcasts that you might not otherwise be exposed to. With that, here's my discussion with Ryan. Ryan, I uh, didn't I didn't do enough due diligence on a few things for this episode. One was, I was going to look, like, when was the last time you were here? It's been a while. Yeah, that's a good question. You would know more about that than I would. <laughs> I haven't looked oh, back well. either. No big deal. So, yeah, it's been a little bit, I, I think. I think you might have been... Uh, was not, it was like through uh, Zoom during the lockdowns. Could be. Could it's be. been a little bit of a little while. So first time back in studio for in a while. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, it's good to be back. And as I've always talked about with you, uh, you always bring a topic. Yeah. So hopefully this one will be, <laughs> will be interesting enough for your listeners. No, I thought it would be. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to go through the history of the temple uh, and uh, not only the history, but the future. I, one thing that is uh, part of just basic biblical illiteracy throughout the land is uh, ignorance of, of, of biblical history, because mm-hmm. so much of the Bible, of course, is history. So understanding the temple, the temple is such a key part uh, of biblical history. It's also kind of a signpost as to uh, where Israel is as a nation and uh, as far as their relationship uh, with their God. And furthermore, there is uh, obvious ramifications for us as believers in, in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile in the church. So um, kind of a, a, a historical lesson or conversation that we can have about the seeds of the temple, the uh, the realities of the temple. We'll talk about the first and second temple uh, periods and what define them. Uh, and then we, we can spend some time um, uh, with whatever time we might have left uh, looking at the future temples that mm-hmm. the scriptures speak of. Okay. Now, um, I guess I had two questions, and at, at the moment, one of them seems to have slipped out my ear. Uh, but but one being, if we get to that future part of it, um, I, I've noticed throughout the history of doing this podcast that the anything like eschatology related seems to almost kind of counter to, to Christian radio. Um, you know, their, their ratings spike when people talk eschatology, but I noticed that the downloads drop a bit. Hmm. So, and, and I think the reason for that is that because it's a little bit more reformed, I think a lot of listeners are more inclined towards an amillennial view or okay. uh, generally amillennial, but maybe a few post mill as well. And um, so I, I wonder as far as like getting into the future of the temple, what can we say that should encourage them to stick around and, and listen? Well, there will be things that I think pretty much any Orthodox Christian that you know believes in the Scriptures would say there is a, is a future dwelling place of God with His people. 
And so that's one thing that we'll hit upon. Mm-hmm. Now, the other, the other two that are kind of seen in the, in the future would be more, more readily seen within the premillennial camp. But for the most part, uh, you know, that'll be what we look at the future. There's still, I mean, as far as the uh, the first and second temples, there's just so much important information there for for us as as un, as those that are looking to grasp and understand this the message of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And the temple serves to be a very very key, uh, the key p- place. And we can even um, you know consider that in re- in regards to the the first coming of Christ, how much. And even in the wake of his ascension, how much was surrounding that mountain, that 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 house that mm-hmm. the Lord at that time he said he left, he left desolate. Yeah, and then uh, I I remembered the other question. And in the meantime, as you were um, answering that, it we you just released recently, or you started doing some screenings of the conquest, which mm-hmm. is the new film that we worked on going back to twenty nineteen. Yep went into Israel. Um, is that kind of, um, partly what pushed you towards this as a topic? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it was, was on just, the mind. Yeah. It, it just, uh, no, another thing would have to do with just my, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's a turnkey topic that I'm easily going to be able to, <laughs> sure. to, to sit down and, and converse with you for an hour. For an hour. Yeah. Um, and it's also something, you know, that I do, uh, so there's, there's that, then there's cover to cover, um, that I, you know, oh, I yeah. teach cover to cover. And that's another thing that we see pop up so much is the, the theme of the temple. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I don't know if we'd really talked about that on, on podcasts before. Um, talk up just briefly talk about this cover to cover that you do. Yeah. I work for a, a as an instruction, as an instructor for a, uh, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, a, a a school called Village Schools of the Bible. And it's basically the flagship class is what we call the cover-to-cover class, where you go through the scriptures uh, from Genesis to Revelation within a, um, a, school, a, a school year from, I mean, you jump in in, in September and we wrap up in May. Okay. So you go through the entire, you, you, you read through and you intend lectures. And if, if you're up for it, you write papers concerning that. So, but anybody can, can take it. We do do zoom, uh, classes as well. Oh. So it's village schools of the Bible is the, uh, is the outfit. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've been with them for a decade now. Uh, as one of my, um, you know, outlets for, for teaching. Sure. Now that's something that I've heard about a lot. You know, we've been friends for what more than 18 years now, yeah. I think 17 years. And I've heard a lot about it. It's something I haven't gotten to do mostly because of time with a young family and, um, family commitments and whatnot and doing this, of course. Um, but Everybody I've ever heard say anything about it is just raved about how much they love your cover to cover. And yeah, thanks. I, 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 it is a blessing, and I think it's the, the the interesting thing about it, and maybe get a taste of it of what we're doing to you know with the temple today is is going through the Bible in that compressed amount of time. You're able to see themes mm-hmm. that you might not otherwise because again it's it's fast i mean you're going through um you know in a school year with 
you're reading through the the entirety of the Bible, but not just reading through it, but having a you know a guide there trying to show you all of the connective tissue. And so it's a way to study the Bible that is is unique, uh, and you really get to see the cohesive dynamics of the scriptures, the themes, and the connective tissues, which I, rightfully so excites a lot of people. Cool. And I was just going to mention, not only do I hear people rave about it, but they back it up in that I hear of people that take it not only over again, but multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I have somebody that's hasn't stopped taking it since the first year, right? <laughs> cool. 11 years in. So, but you're going to get new stuff out of it every time. It's sure. not the same stuff, of course. And, and you mentioned Zoom. So that even more than I was inclined when I asked the first question, if somebody is interested to learn more, where can they go to find out? Just go to the, um, I, I, I might screw up the, the URL, but just put in village schools of the Bible and they have a website and all of the class offerings are there. And so they would, again, the cover to cover is going to start back up here in a couple, couple months. Okay, cool. So the temple, where do we start? All right. Yeah. Well, let's maybe just start with a definition. Um, a temple, it's one of the interesting things about, uh, the, the term, um, you know, there's, there's some various, uh, Hebrew and Greek terminology that, that goes about with it, but a temple really is, is a house. And so, uh, that's one of the one of the things to realize. This is a, a dwelling place or a house, and uh, so just to begin with that definition is important because, uh, of course, this is the dwelling place of God. Now, before we want to talk about temple um, and the specific thing that I want to talk about in regards to. Temp, the, the term temple itself, because usually in our English language, when we're talking about a temple, we're talking about that which is stationary, mm-hmm. uh, that which is quote-unquote permanent. Now, of course, none of the temples have been permanent yet, but they're permanent in the sense that they have a foundation laid and they're, they're, they're there. That's there to contrast it with the tabernacle, which is a tent. So, again, definitionally, we can look at those two things and note that... Uh, the seeds for the temple, um, we really do find in the Torah. Now, the, the the temple proper isn't seen until we get to uh, really the life of Solomon and David. David and Solomon will talk about how that came about. But uh, the seeds of the temple are found in the Torah. Torah, of course, being the law. And so... The place of the temple, this is one interesting thing to note, that in regards to the, the physical dwelling place uh, where the Lord is going to set his, uh, his presence is in, of course, this mountain that is called Salem, the first time we read of it in the Torah, which is in Genesis chapter 14. And that is when Abraham goes to uh, to meet Melchizedek in the valley, um, uh, the King's Valley. And we see that in Genesis 14. So Melchizedek comes down from Jerusalem. And uh, so Salem is the first incarnation of Jerusalem. Now, this is all very important type, uh, typography, typology, 
because you have, first off, the mountain noted. Melchizedek is the first king of Jerusalem that we read of in the scriptures. And uh, furthermore, um, he, as we continue to look at the the unfolding of salvation history, we see that Melchizedek is a a forerunner, a type of Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 7, we we read of that as well. So the place of the temple is first marked out in Genesis 14 with Melchizedek. And then, of course, later on in Genesis 22, when Abraham takes up Isaac, uh, and you have the, the binding of Isaac in that the Lord commanded him to go to the temple, or not to the temple, but to uh, to this Moriah. It's a very important key there, uh, going to the land of Moriah, because that's going to prove to be a key piece of connective tissue for us to know where the temple was going to be uh, and what was it was planned to be. So they went to the land of Moriah, and, and the Lord told Abraham to go to a specific mountain that he would show him. So this isn't just go sacrifice Isaac anywhere. It's there is a specific mountain that the Lord has chosen that he is going to uh, have this, again, typology unfold. And the uh, of course we know the way the story goes um, that the, the Lord intervenes and Isaac is spared. And ultimately we see that... Abraham says this, this the, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So those two places in, in, um, in Genesis form the location and pattern uh, for things to come uh, in regards to the temple. You have Genesis 14 and Genesis 22. Now when you get into the rest of the Torah, you have the framework of what is ultimately going to become the temple in the tabernacle. So it's, it, it's, it's a different structure. It's much smaller, but much of the, uh, the, many of the elements are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the temple is to face east. You have the altar. You have the holy place. You have the holy of holies. Uh, you have uh, many, again, the list goes on as to, uh, things that are going to continue when you go to the temple. So we, we find that in the the rest of the Torah, uh, which we want to, at that point, when we see the giving of the law and the instructions concerning the, uh, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant is very important, uh, and as well as the the ones that are going to uh, administer at the temple and that is, or at the tabernacle, and that is, of course, the Levites. Uh, so it's, it's really important for us to see these back, this backdrop because once we get to the first temple period, all of these elements that we see in seed form really converge and more fully develop uh, something that is again, in quotes, more permanent. Remember that the tabernacle by its very nature was was transitory. It was 
uh, it was picked up. It was to be picked up and go uh, wherever it went. It was a tent, mm-hmm. so it wasn't wasn't permanent. So when you get to the temple, the temple is uh, again when we use the term temple, even though at, at times linguistically in the scriptures. Um, the, the nuance isn't there, but when we use the term temple, we're usually distinguishing it from the tabernacle. Both were dwelling places of the Lord. Both uh, had the Ark of the Covenant, or at least most of the time. I shouldn't even say most of the time because the we'll, we'll talk about the Ark of the Covenant with the second temple when we get there. That's another interesting thing that's related to the uh, the temple dynamic. That's another interesting thing that people really like to talk about is what happened to the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if we'll have, we'll have time for that, but it's related <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to the dynamics of the temple because the temple and the tabernacle housed the Ark of the Covenant. So in around 1446 BC, we can start talking dates. That was when the children of Israel, I'm an early day. I, I tend to hold the early date of the Exodus, so they came out of Egypt, and it was in the wake of that Israel was, was born as a nation. And the, uh, the Lord had them uh, build a, a tabernacle as well as gave them laws. Now, this is very key to think of covenants as well. Covenants are key here because uh, the... The, ta- the tabernacle and, the, uh, and the, the first two temples were connected to the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, so they, they actually were crucial to the observance of the Mosaic Covenant. With, with, without a tabernacle or a temple, the priesthood is defunct uh, because that's where... And, and how they would end up sacrificing and all that. And, and it's very interesting that the Lord has embedded this within his nation, a nation that's disobeyed him in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But they, over the last 2,000 years, for the vast majority and, and most part, have have understood that we only can sacrifice if there is a functioning temple, which is why you, in synagogues throughout the world, they're not, going through with sacrifices uh, in accordance with the, the law because it's only to be at the place where the Lord chooses, which it was, it became instilled within the people. Again, this goes back to the, the days of David uh, and Solomon that it was at that place that the Lord chose, which is where sacrifices were to be, uh, were, to, were to be made. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask a real curveball question. Go for it. And this is kind of a, a basics thing, but I, honestly, I don't know the answer myself. So uh, it, you, when you're talking about the priesthood, do you know really what the difference is between the, the biblical priesthood, Old Testament priesthood, and the, the like a rabbis? What's the difference between a priest and a rabbi? Uh, qu- quite a bit of difference uh, because a, ra- a rabbi... <clears throat> did you know a priesthood in accordance with the mosaic law there were very key qualifications that you you had to be from the the line of levi mm-hmm. um and you the, there were other purification uh elements that you needed to go through as far as 
whether you, you had leprosy or, or anything sure. like that. So all of those things had to do with the what, what was clean and unclean in regards to entering into the presence of the Lord. So um, a rabbi, so that was a, a priest, w- w- would be one that, that is, qualified that. If rabbi, I understand correctly, these are very limited. They're not just Levites, but they're descendants of Aaron. and, and um, Yeah, descendants of Aaron, and I mean, the, you um, all pre, all priests need to be Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Sure, you know, and so um, there there are qualifications there, and there even within some scriptures, there's an element where there's a, a group called Levites, which depending on the context, sometimes was almost a a separate uh, a separate group that helped the priesthood. But wasn't actually they weren't actually considered uh, fully functioning priests as well. But again, that's not sure. here or there. No, so rabbis, rabbi simply means teacher, and uh, so so anybody from any tribe can be a rabbi, right? for the most Correct? part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, the the interesting thing about how this relates to the temple is once the second temple was destroyed, and we'll talk about that as we as we go through the history of the first two temples, once the second temple was destroyed in AD 70, uh, it's, I mean, I don't think we, we truly grasp how much of a, of a crisis this was for those that uh, identified as Jews under the Old Covenant. Uh, because without the, without a functioning temple... Their identity was, you know, so much of what they, what they were called to do, and really that which identified them as, you know, as God's covenantal people, was rooted in the temple, and mm-hmm. what they had to do, whether it was, uh, you know, the, the times, or the sacrifices, the feasts, Sabbaths, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you had a group that. Uh, gathered, and it really it, within the decades following the destruction of the the temple, and they they birthed a, uh, a a new movement called rabbinical Judaism, and that's the type more the type of Judaism that we know of today, mm-hmm. um, one that is not connected to temple or sacrifice, but rather to teaching and good works. That would be. What the what a rabbi would so in what in kind of a you know in in a sense the the rabbi did kind of take the place of a priest in in the wake of the temple because it was around the teaching of the rabbis now that the uh, those that looked to continue in observing in any way they could the ways of their fathers. Uh, in regards to the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, uh, that's how they look to do it. But it's fascinating to really go back and look at the Torah and what is commanded and how much is rooted in the the temple and sacrifice. How was the destruction of the second temple any different than the destruction of the first temple? Well, in hindsight, um, the reason why it's <clears throat> it's more significant. Uh, is and again, this is history going. You know, there was there was no promise of an immediate restoration, or because um, 
maybe we should do the first temple and then we can talk about its destruction yeah. and why there was a definite hope of a, of a restoration and a, and a return. Um, and not that there isn't a definite hope of a restoration return, but I'm talking about something that was given even a time frame and a period. So in the, with the first temple, Israel existed for almost a thousand years as a, as a nation uh, before the Lord had a, you know, a, a movement started that was going to lead to the building of the temple. Now, a key passage is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now, this is after David has come to Jerusalem, and he has taken the ark to Jerusalem, and he wants to build a house for the Lord in Jerusalem. And the Lord sends the prophet back to him, saying that the that David is not going to build a house for the Lord, but rather the Lord is going to build a house for David in the sense of a royal dynasty. Mm-hmm. And it's in, within that context that he says, your, a, your son will build a house for my name. So David understood in some way, we're not told why or how, but we are told in some way he understood the significance of Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem wasn't even, uh, pardon the pun, on the map uh, until David. David went and conquered the Jebusites, and he took Jerusalem. So, and and then after that, we read in chapter 6 of 2 Samuel that he brings the ark in. So obviously, there is movements here that are crucial and significant for uh, the building of a temple. Now, the Lord, ultimately David inquired. He didn't really inquire. He expressed his desire. And uh, Nathan the prophet initially thought, um, the Lord is with you, go do it. And then the Lord comes and tells Nathan to go back and tell him that, no, you're not to build it for me, uh, rather your son will build a house for my name. So um, there, there are a couple of other important developments. Um, one is later on, David takes a census, and in doing so, he sins. Mm-hmm. And the Lord brings about a, a plague upon the land, and then Malach Yahweh ends up instructing David to go and uh, offer up a sacrifice on this place called Ornan's Threshing Floor. So that is the... Hold on a second. Yep. Most of the people, maybe nobody listening, has seen the conquest. So let's go back to Malik Yahweh. (laughs) Well, Malik Yahweh is uh, one who's... The, the name is is just a Hebrew name, Malik Yahweh. It's usually translated the angel of the Lord. But in the conquest, we, it's obviously a cent- central figure in the conquest. And in that work, um, we talk about Malik Yahweh. Malik Yahweh is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. And the film goes, goes into that. But this is a key one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Malik Yahweh is constantly appearing and doing things around Jerusalem. And he's the one that shows up in the uh, binding of Isaac to, 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 to stop the 
uh, the sacrifice of Isaac and saying, now I know that you fear God because you haven't withheld your only son from me. So, um, again, the pre-incarnate son comes and uh, instructs David to go in, to this threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor is the the further north part of the mountain of Jerusalem that really, at this point, it's a threshing floor. It's not inhabited. Mm-hmm. So this is then... And just quickly, what does that mean for somebody in 21st century? A threshing floor? The Western world. What, yeah, a threshing floor. Yeah, what a threshing that? floor is where they're basically threshing wheat and separating it from the chaff. And so obviously something that they really needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, you know, it was a large place, or it could be smaller, but a, a, a place where Ornan, now Ornan the Jebusite. So this is somebody that uh, was formerly a... a a constituent of this, obviously of this, of this city and own this land. And the only real um, logical deduction we can make here is he was subservient to David when David came and conquered. And mm-hmm. so David let him have the land and, um, and this land David wants to now use. And Ornan, we see his subservience to David when saying, um, you, you can take it for free. And uh, because David's going to purchase the land. And he says, I'm not, and then David says, I'm not going to, you know, um, sacrifice to the Lord on things that cost me nothing. Especially, and again, the, the indication here is that, you know, this is David's fault that the plague is coming upon the land. And so David purchases this plot of land, which is just to the north of uh, the city of Jerusalem or the, the city of David at this time. And that uh, ultimately he, for permission uh, of the Lord and probably likely through the Levites, made sacrifices there and the plagues were averted. And this, uh, another key thing is this is where Malik Yahweh appeared to David. David lifted up his eyes and he saw Malik Yahweh hovering over or in threshing floor. So he's, again, marking it out, so to speak. So this is extremely important because this is now the place which is orchestrated by the Lord himself, the place where the temple is going to be built. And um, in Second Chronicles... Let me get there. Or was it First Kings? No, I think it's Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles, yeah, Second Chronicles chapter three. This is when the the biblical writer inst- instructs us regarding the beginning of temple construction. So, from a strict kind of definitional standpoint there there really wasn't a singular temple uh there were there were tabernacles or there was a tabernacle but there wasn't a temple a per, a, a place that was going to have a foundation and walls and considered to be permanent not movable and so in in 
Second Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1, we see, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So there's a couple of key connections here. First off, it's Ornan, the, the place of, of the, the incident with the census. We know David purchased that site. So David did not, David did not secure this place through bloodshed. And, and that was one of the reasons why he was, he was told you're not to build a temple because you're a man of bloodshed. And this, this plot of land was not conquered. It was purchased. And it was a benevolent purchase. Um, oh. Quite a bit of money was given. And, you know, Ornan was willing and, and ready to, to purchase this. So it was a transaction of peace. And the, the next element here that we see is, is on Mount Moriah. And that connects us back to Genesis 22. So this is the same place where uh, Abraham offered up Isaac, and so Mount Moriah. So that uh, very key connective tissue there going all the way back to, to Genesis. So this is where the temple, the first temple began, and that was around 970 B.C., okay. about when the first temple was built. So... Uh, we read of Solomon after, I mean, he, gold, silver, and the cedars of Lebanon, they, they came in and it was a grand construction project and uh, there was great pomp and circumstance when the temple was dedicated. And the Lord has, you know, has looked upon this mountain and said that this mountain is a mountain of his own choosing. And this is his resting place forever. He will dwell here forever. His, his, his eyes will be here forever. Uh, so this mountain is, is his. Now, when we look at the history of the first temple, it's, so we can say it, it began in the life of David. That the, the, as far as the machinations that would lead to the building, David made all, you, you read in the, uh, in First Chronicles, all the preparations that David made. And so it was, he was very well set up. Solomon was very well set up by his father in regards to uh, into building this, this first temple. So at around 970, it was when it was completed. Now, from that time forward, the temple would, would be uh, a, a place of both godly service, but more often of rebellion. Uh, it, it more often was a place of rebellion. Um, and when we get into the monarchy and the divided kingdom, and as you read through the history going from the days of Solomon, even with Solomon, Solomon, even though it, we don't read of him setting up anything in the temple, we read on, in the mountain to the east, he sets up the, um, you know, the gods of his wives. And so that was a problem. Would that, would that be Mount of Olives? It's actually, well, some, some associated with the Mount of Olives, some associated um, just south of the Mount of Olives. Called the, it's called the Mount of Sin. Okay. 
So um, today, if you go to Jerusalem, it's 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 not the Mount of Olives. It's it's called the Mount of Sin. Some but some people disagree and say that it was the Mount of Olives, but um, it is you know, sure it it is what it is. So the the um, the first temple ends up being this place where so often idolatry comes and starts to take over. And um, it, sometimes the temple falls into disrepair. We read of the reconstruction projects that need to happen because of the idolatry and the, the way that so many kings uh, did not serve the, the God of their fathers as they should have. So uh, we get to uh, Josiah, and Josiah, um, you know, we're, we're we're getting close to the time when the the first temple is going to be destroyed. But you know, Josiah finds a scroll, and it's really the blessings and the curses. And if they do not serve the Lord, and this was after Josiah had gone throughout the whole land and cut down the Ashereth poles and tore down the idols and. He would have seen what his, um, you know, what his ancestors had done, and then he finds these this this scroll speaking of the uh, the punishment that punishments that would come, and again the big one is is, is exile, uh, and the Lord ultimately sends a prophetess, and she says. Uh, per the Lord, that Josiah is not going to see, because he humbled himself, is not going to see the destruction and the exile that are, that he read about. Um, but it's too late. It's too late. It's going to come. And then after Josiah dies, and Josiah dies actually quite young, then we begin to see the... Uh, the Syrian? No, this is the Babylonians. So the okay. Assyrians take the northern kingdom in 722 Mm -hmm. and they surround the city and fail. Malachi always shows up there again and Mm -hmm. uh, thwarts the Assyrian invasion. Then about a hundred years later in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar comes with his, uh, with his Babylonian army, mighty army uh, per what the Lord had promised. And, and, there are three waves of exile, 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and then the death blow came in 586 B.C., and that's when the temple was destroyed. The temple was destroyed and was uh, ultimately um, burned. So the the temple was destroyed, the people are in exile, the Curses of Deuteronomy 28 are on full display. And ultimately, then we see uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah tell us that there's going to be 70 years cut out before the people are are going to come back. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the land needs 70 years of rest. So... Um, that's a key element we read in Daniel chapter nine. That's what prompts Daniel to um, pray about the future of his people in a city. 
So in 538, uh, Cyrus, um, in fact, uh, if you want to turn to that in, uh, in Ezra, uh, Ezra chapter 1, yep. Cyrus, the Persian king, ends up declaring his intent to rebuild a temple. So in, in verse one, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord of the mouth, uh, word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, "Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah." And then we we read of the call of return and the, uh, so it's not just a right of return. <clears throat> it's a call to return. And this begins this first wave of return, which there is a beginning then uh, to rebuild the temple. So um, you had asked earlier about why the rabbinical Judaism and what was the difference between the first and second yeah. temple? Well, here we see that Jeremiah and Cyrus uh, and the elements here, we see that there was a, fr from the the dominant kingdom, the kingdom that had placed the children of Israel under their thumb, Cyrus wants to rebuild a temple. So this is quite different than the Romans. The Romans, um, well, we've got... It is definitely a different dynamic because Cyrus was from Medo-Persia. Yep, Persian He kings. had conquered the Babylonians who had conquered Israel. Yep. And when you when we say that Cyrus, now the, the scriptures, is, as you just read, clearly lay out that the Lord called on Cyrus to, to do this. Uh, but it wasn't that Cyrus was necessarily like a servant of, of God. He wasn't a converted Gentile that, that loved the Lord. He, he was really allowing all conquered peoples to go back and set up their own customs. Once again, that, that the Babylonians had ter taken a, right. away from them. That was his, that was the, the difference in kingdoms is they saw it good for their kingdom to have the, you know, those that happy had subjects. Yeah. Well, and, and not just that, but they were, they were um, ones that serve the, what they would see as the pantheon of the gods. And so, Cyrus uh, would have likely, um, you know, wrong and wrongly been just seeing Yahweh as uh, another one of these pantheon of, of the gods, which, of course, we know that he is the true and living God and there is mm -hmm. none but him. And so the... Yeah, this is a, in a demonstration of providence, the Lord is using this. Right. So he stirs up, yeah, Cyrus... So, yeah, it's not that he is a, a servant of Yahweh, um, but he is he is accomplishing the will of Yahweh in that the Lord is stirring up and orchestrating things to be so. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the the temple gets rebuilt. Now, again, it's it can't be understated how devastating the loss of a te of the temple was for the Jews because they could no longer celebrate their feasts. The any element of sacrifice, and that's one thing, we even look at the, the celebrating of the feasts. Uh, 
read what the, they were to do during the feast of the Lord, and or whether we're talking about Passover or uh, Yom Kippur or the Feast of Tabernacles, what have you, uh, all seven feasts, uh, there are sacrifices associated with each and every one of them. So in, in, a, in the fullest sense, in the Mosaic sense, uh, when there is no temple, you cannot accomplish or fulfill the feasts in uh, obeying what is commanded. Of course, the feasts have other purposes. Uh, they, mm. They're also a pattern of, that look forward to the New Covenant. So we, we get to the, um, the, the time of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel ultimately begins, and then there is conflict. There's conflict from the Samaritans and from other people, and so the building of the temple is, is ceased. And then Darius, Darius ultimately uh, enters, and after the, through the preaching of both Haggai and Zechariah, uh, those are two of the minor prophets of the Book of the Twelve. They, the the people, are galvanized once again to go forth and build the temple, and so the temple pales in comparison to the to the former temple. But it's a yeah. functioning temple. It's a functioning they, temple. The, uh, I went through a past episode. Uh, Kofi Ado Bowen came on, and we talked about Haggai. He wanted mm-hmm. to talk about the Book of Haggai. He'd been preaching on it and whatnot. It was a really good episode. And, uh, and that's starting to come back to me now as we go over this. And, and part of that whole dynamic was that there were still people alive when the first temple was around that are now seeing the second temple be built. And they wept. And they're, yeah, they're really disappointed right. in what, and underwhelmed by what they see. Yep. And that's what's interesting is, and because in Haggai, there's a there's a declaration that the the latter state of this house is going to be more glorious than the first. So that's something to remember mm-hmm. in regards to temples. So there's going to be in that passage there's a, a a declaration that there's going to be a temple. Now I don't think that's either speaking. I don't think that's speaking of the third temple, or I don't necessarily even know if it's speaking of Ezekiel's temple. I think it might just be speaking of Jerusalem itself, okay. which is going to be a temple. Now, in Revelation, it says no temple was seen in the city, but the the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple. So the glory of the dwelling of God himself in that place is is you know, is going to far surpass, and obviously Jerusalem itself is going to be that holy of holies type thing, which hopefully we can get to. Um, so they they end up completing the temple, and the second temple actually outlives, as far as time goes, the first temple. It was it was around for a longer duration than the first temple was. Mm-hmm. Now, there was something that happened um, in the generation prior to the arrival of Jesus where Herod the Great did a great, a, a huge um, renovation. renovation project. So that's why it, it was so impressive to the disciples. Um, and then Jesus says, not one stone will be left upon another. So there is going to be a, a Jesus says there's going to be a, a destruction of this temple. And he... He speaks of this in, um, in the 
some of the eschatological discourses. Mm-hmm. Um, and furthermore, uh, I think when he says, I leave your house desolate, yeah, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's ultimately, you know, leaving and he's not going to protect because he said, how I long do, you know, protect you as a hen gathers her brood, but you are not willing. So the... The elements there of the second temple is that this is the one that Jesus came to. It still was functioning, and um, those that were looking to, before the coming of Christ, to obey the the Lord uh, were to go and offer that which the Mosaic law required. But what happened, there's this huge transition with Christ, and the book of John really speaks of this, is showing that worship now is going to be not around a place in this coming era, but it's going to be around a person, and that is Jesus. And we see that in the book of John when he talks about destroy this temple and I will be, build it again in three days, or in chapter 4 of John, where we see the woman at the well where she says, neither here nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Um, and again, it's, it's around him and the temple was, you know, there was part of the charges that Jesus was brought up on is speaking against Moses and against the temple and same with Stephen later on, uh, in Acts. So the temple was this, this holy place that, uh, that ultimately there was a misplaced, um, zeal for the temple because it uh, it was one of the things that blinded these Jews from the uh, the coming of the Messiah. And then he, he, again, when Jesus says, I will build my church, um, this is another element of a temple now, mm-hmm. and a new temple, and that is, is a people. And when he says, I will build my church, on this rock I will build my church, uh, it's that's temple language, uh, and in fact, um, in Ephesians chapter two, we have just a, I think almost a further commentary on on this uh, these elements that we saw in Matthew chapter sixteen. Speaking to Gentiles in verse 19 of Ephesians 2, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So there's this transition, and in this age, uh, and even forever, this dwelling of God is going to be with his people. And this dwelling isn't rooted in a place, it's rooted in a person. Now, that doesn't mean Jerusalem has lost its significance. Because uh, when, we, um, when we get to matters concerning the future, we have... Um, we do have, uh, for those of us that are premillennial, which I am, mm-hmm. um, we do have certain matters that need to take place. And looking at, 
for instance, the, um, the prophecies of, of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, as well as this abomination of desolation, and Paul saying in 2 Thessalonians that there's this man of lawlessness who will set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, some would say, oh, well, that temple could not, not be the church then, because why would this be called the temple of, of, of God if he's left it desolate? Well, the truth of the matter is that mountain is still holy to God, even though it is desolate right now. Remember, he says that you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So I do think there is going to be another place of, of sacrifice, another temple or, or tabernacle or something like that that is going to go up. It's not, a, it's not something that we are called to, as believers, go to because we are under the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing to really understand is that this, um, the book of Hebrews is very clear on this, that we are members of this new covenant. We do not go back to the old covenant. And uh, the third temple, which is, you know, is something that uh, many people are already looking to implement. There's a place called the the Temple Institute, in, and that's just one of the, uh, the outfits that has a desire to get back up onto the, the Temple Mount and, and build a temple and begin sacrifices again. Um, they, uh, that, is not, that, I believe, will come to pass, but it's not something that we as believers are to partake in mm-hmm. at all because we have the perfect sacrifice in Jesus. Now it's ultimately going to be to fulfill the scriptures, and we know that this isn't going to be this temple isn't going to be something that is going to end well because the it, it's going to be desecrated by the man of lawlessness. Now that leaves us with two other temples that are coming, and uh, one is full of controversy, uh, and the other, as far as within the within eschatological debate between millennial positions. The other one isn't. Mm-hmm. So the, the one that's full of controversy is the one that we read of in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48. And this temple is, is again, something that we who are premillennialists believe is going to be a literal temple. I don't believe that there's going to be a return to mosaic sacrifices. I think there's a reflection here, but there's enough difference, enough differences here that this is something that doesn't truly reflect the Mosaic Law. In fact, that that's something that Jewish history attests to. That the that those that were experts in the law and read Ezekiel saw all sorts of problems because Ezekiel is something different. So it is something different. But the other interesting, this is, you're talking about the eschatological temple or mm-hmm. or the millennial millennial temple well okay the millennial temple the eschatological temple i don't think is in ezekiel okay. um i i don't see it anywhere in ezekiel um as far as like described sure um i i do see um i mean that's in 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 daniel for sure mm-hmm. but the um the the sacrifices there is that's I, I think that's too big of a, uh, a, a, a apple to bite into right now. <laughs> but um, I do think there are are 
good reasons to believe those are actually going to be happening. And also we can see all sorts of, again, understanding that they don't undermine or replace or do anything in regards to the perfect once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. They have somewhat of a different function um, or uh, a surety of a different function. The, um, the next big temple, of course, then, is Jerusalem. And that's what we read of in Revelation 21, uh, Revelation 21 and 22. That is this new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. And uh, this is the dwelling place. That's what's, uh, why don't we turn to it and we can note some of the temple imagery here. And this is the new covenant city the new covenant city. And we see uh, in verse 3, after the holy city, New Jerusalem, comes down. This is uh, 21. Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So this new Jerusalem is a place of perfection, is a place where, again, the tabernacle of God or the dwelling of God is among men. And we also see this statement of, of a temple. And in verse 22, he says, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. So when he's saying I saw no temple in it, I think he's saying I saw no... No building. No building, no place of sacrifice, no old covenant Mm -hmm. place of sacrifice. For the Lamb who fulfilled it and the Lord God Almighty, the Father, they are dwelling there. And um, which is interesting, a lot of people don't know this, the Millennial Temple um, isn't actually, um, as far as the way it's stretched out, it isn't in Jerusalem. It's about 10 miles to the north. So if you look at any, any maps of people that have actually taken the time to look at the allotments of the land and how things are laid out, the Millennial Temple is not in the city. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm one that holds to the, the fact that the New Jerusalem descends before the, uh, or actually at the beginning of the millennium. And so um, it's a debate whether it's before or after. Uh, ultimately, it's not a, anything that is, is, nothing is hugely dependent on it because, sure, uh, you, you know, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to be entering it whenever it comes and descends. But um, some have said, well, how, you know, how could New Jerusalem be around if, the, if there's this temple? And then he says, I saw no temple. Well, there's, uh, the temple is, is, is miles to the north. Uh, it's not in the city, and that's something very clear in, um, in the book of Ezekiel. But anyways, uh, we see here that this, this is the ultimate dwelling place. And again, it's called Jerusalem. So the city comes down, and we realize that Jerusalem is the place that God is going to dwell forever with his people. And I think a good passage to, as far as end our scriptural study here, is in Psalm 132. And Psalm 132 has some amazing 
things to say about Jerusalem. And Zion is another term for Jerusalem. And starting with verse 13, we read, For Yahweh has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her needy with bread. Her priests also I will clothe with salvation, and her godly ones will sing aloud for joy. There I will cause the horn of David to spring forth. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. So we see that the Messiah is going to, you know, again, be there. I'm going to have the Davidic son there. Um, But we also have his people there. And again, most importantly, you know, the Lord is going to dwell there. I have desired this for my dwelling place. So... uh, Again, the history here, it's it's something that we we can see there. Our salvation is rooted in the history of what the Lord has brought forth. And the temple is a very key part of the unfolding of this history. We we, we looked all the way back to Genesis Mm -hmm. and saw the seeds there. And we we ended in Revelation uh, and, and the Psalms. So I really do think that this temple it's it's an important thing to understand because you understand the history of salvation but you also see the future the future of what we have um have before us and in another sense the present that when we believe we become living stones where the lord is having this grand construction project of the ages that he uh he, he promised he says i will uh on this rock, I will build my church, and the the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Mm. Wow, that's a lot. You really hit that too on the <laughs> the hour mark. Too. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say I can't see that clock. So, <laughs> oh, well, I was a little confused because I see two clocks over there, and one of them isn't moving, but the other says we're at an hour and two of recording time. So, whether what what that ends up being in the oh, well, you got other stuff to edit in too. Uh, well, just the introduction and stuff. Yeah, I, I I don't see there being any real editing in the middle. But um, yeah, by the time I add an in- introduction and whatnot, it'll probably be an hour and five or six minutes. But um, I had one quick question that I just saved. You had talked at one point about, well, you were talking about the tabernacle, first mm-hmm. of all, and how that kind of uh, was the came before it was a it was kind of a a temporary thing that went with them um and then of course king solomon's temple being the first we talked about the 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 period in between briefly and then the second temple temple. and and then you said towards the beginning you were talking about how radically it changed judaism to not have a temple as, as of 70 a.d yeah and i've always wondered why why not if they can't have the temple, why not do another tabernacle? Because they they understood that the Lord had said, it's got, once the Lord, kind of that Psalm 132, mm-hmm. they realized that, okay, it's now that the Lord has marked Jerusalem as the place that he's chosen, you can't go back to a tabernacle. So from that time onward, it was instilled in the Jewish people that this is the place God chose and there's there's even messianic ramifications, David and his offspring and, and all of that. Sure. 
So you you don't do it anywhere but Jerusalem. I get that, but I mean, you also look at the history of Judaism, where if they they you know they they, they tend to take some liberties at times, feeling like we've got to follow X rule and. That's why they, yeah. That's why I noted that God instilled it in them. I think okay. I, re- I really think this is one of those things that God instilled it in them that okay, you know, you're not you're not able to you know do so, this. So, so I, I, you know, there are a lot of things that do God they really feel that God Himself does not allow them to be doing sacrifices mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, unless yeah, unless the there there is a a, a temple mm-hmm. that goes back up and then some of the other things that they have with uh, preparation and um, and purific- purification that need to be done. Okay. So, um, and we're in those days where, you know, we could see very easily in a third temple um, get erected. Mm-hmm. And it's been it, two, 2000, you know, almost 2,000 years. If you don't mind... You mind doing a little after show where we could talk a little bit about some of that dynamic? Sure. So those who are more inclined to not be interested in the eschatology can mm-hmm. can yeah no problem f- finish up the episode and then I'll I'll post uh, where wish I put this I'll put it on uh, it'll definitely be on Rumble so look up Echo Zoe on Rumble and the YouTube page and you know, go look at the after show we'll talk a little bit about this uh, eschatology eschatological dynamic of of temple and what's going on right now too. Okay, cool. So, um, before we do that, um, let's just, why don't we just wrap up and again, wh- where can people find you? We talked about village schools and find more on, on this stuff. Yeah. Well, you can, I mean, Conquering King Fellowship is where I, I serve as a, uh, a, pa- a preaching pastor and you can, uh, find our webpage and go to sermonaudio.com. Mm-hmm. Actually sermon audio, those hundreds of sermons. So there should be, you know, some that that go into that you know i have a book called parable of the fig tree which is you know probably is closer to some of the stuff we're about to talk about okay yeah so and i'll put some of that in the show notes as well this is episode 171 so echozoe.com slash 171 i'll put the link to conquering king fellowship and the sermon audio and um parable the fig tree i i took down the echo zoe store i you had kind of giving me permission to put that on the, on the Echo Zoe store in the ebook form, format. I've taken that down, so it's, I don't have it available right now, but um, it, it's on Amazon, mm-hmm. so, or wherever yep. you can buy yeah, books. Yeah, you can so. find it. Cool. Well, thanks, Ryan. I um, appreciate that. And uh, for those interested, come join us at, well, it'll be on the video for sure. I'll put it in the show notes, echozoe.com slash 171. You can go see, I'll, I'll add the video, and we'll do a little kind of after show on some of this uh eschatology dynamic if you're interested thanks all right thank you echo zoe radio is an outreach of echo zoe ministries if you are blessed by the show please consider offering your support there are many things you can do to help including prayer sharing the show with others and your financial support echo zoe ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status and your donations are tax-deductible for more information about how you can support EchoZoe Ministries, please visit EchoZoe.com support. That wraps up episode 171. Thanks for listening to EchoZoe Radio. For show notes, including that after show that we just discussed, visit EchoZoe.com 171. Come on over to the EchoZoe Ministries locals page at EchoZoe.locals.com 
and you can support the ministry there as well as interact with the community and watch Jerusalem's King. And I look forward to seeing you there. Remember, the next episode won't be out right away on the 1st of August, but I promise it'll be worth the extra wait. Lord willing, we'll be back about the second week of August with the next episode of Echoes Away Radio. Thank you.